Welcome to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Brain podcast with Tony Calloway, where we talk about everything. And no subject is left unturned, untouched, and unnoticed. And we would cover and talk about everything, as I like to think that there are elements of me that represent everybody. Now, what you hear, I want you to do your own research too. Fact check us and apply accordingly. This means no one is ever completely right. And when you bring your own brain, you are in the best position possible to think for yourself. We're on five days a week, wherever you find your podcast, and you can reach us via our Facebook page. So please leave a comment, a review, a critique, and a shout out. And if by chance there are topics you'd like to have discussed or questions you want referenced on a particular show, drop us an email to wkir100 at gmail.com. That's WKIR100 for We Keep It Real and 100 at gmail.com. This is a special unscripted edition. So I want to throw the disclaimer out now. You may hear any and everything in this hour that we're together. And I have two incredibly wonderful people with me. First of all, my lovely wife. She is the executive producer of this incredible podcast. She is Catherine Patricia Calloway. She is with me today and all the way from San Diego, California, by way of Columbus, Ohio, we have the founder and the pastor of Higher Dimensions International, the one and only Bishop Stephen L. White. Bishop White, how you doing? I'm yet holding on, Reverend. Good, 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 good. Catherine, you with us today? How you doing? Wonderful. Good, 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 good. Now, this will sound like a church edition of BYOB, the Bring Your Own Brain podcast with Tony Calloway, but it really isn't going to be. However, there, uh, the fact is the spiritual purpose of the church isn't what it could be, what it should be, and what it needs to be. Instead, it's settling for what it wants to be. And I want to discuss it starting with this first topic, I want to talk about the church and COVID. Specifically, how to navigate the operation and effectiveness of ministry in this new era of normal. Now, Bishop White, you and I have have come through the ranks, if you will. We've seen a church, I don't want to say evolve. We've seen church be what it is. And we've seen a season of effectiveness. But can you agree, and Catherine, you can feel free to jump in as well, since you have been in this, as the old folks say, in the way for a number of years as well. How are we seeing church now operate in what is a time we've never seen before? COVID has brought uh, new dynamics to how we coexist, how we gather, how we communicate, how we do this thing that has been church for so many years. I'll start with Bishop. How, how do you see the churches and ministries operation in this new normal and have the church or has the church made the proper adjustments to it? Well, first of all, thank you for 
the invitation to be on the podcast today. Um, the church, as we have known it, um, is rapidly dying. It's it's on it's really on life support, and um, it 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 is dying. The church as we've known it. Um, some of the traditional modes and methods, methodologies, have become antiquated, outdated. Um, however, there is one thing that is conspicuously absent from today's church, as opposed to the church that we knew um, many, many years ago. One of those things that I say is conspicuously absent is uh, total transparency and authenticity and the authentic um, anointing. Now, <clears throat> as it relates to the method that um, church is using today, um, everything changes. Um, I think both of you know the first book I wrote was called The Evolution of a Bishop and <clears throat> the word evolution uh, made people a little uncomfortable because when they hear the word evolution, they think of Darwin's theory mm -hmm. of evolution, which we don't particularly ascribe to, but in reality, everything evolves. Right. And uh, everything evolved ha has evolved in society, medicine, technology, politics, laws, uh, science, everything has evolved. But in many ways, the church has failed to evolve and relate uh, faith to modern day culture. That, that's an area that we're missing, is relating faith to modern day culture. Mm. This is a totally different day, era, time uh, that we're in today. There, there's so many different problems. We, we're confronting uh, racism, we're confronting uh, you know, the, the growing LGBTQ community. We're confronting um, so many things on so many fronts. And in days gone by, the church, uh, to a great degree, has liked to hold its head in the sand and, and either pretend that it's not there or we just totally ignore it. Ignorance doesn't mean that you don't, uh, you're stupid. Ignorance means that you fail to notice and pay attention to the signs. Mm -hmm. And um, the church in many ways are uh, is ignorant. We're just not paying attention to what's going on in this society and how do we effectively relate faith to this modern day culture. So that is uh, one of the breakdowns that I see uh, as it relates to this modern day church because we are trying to um, pour uh, new wine into old wineskins and churches are busting all over the place. There's mm -hmm. been a mass exodus. Even before COVID hit, there was an exodus of thousands of people from our churches, particularly, particularly here in the uh, Western civilization here in America. There, there was a mass exodus of a whole lot of people because people... Um, felt like David did when he came to fight Goliath and the king Saul tried to put his armor on David 
and David put it on and he moved around in it and he said, no, I, I can't wear this. In essence, he said, if it's not working for you, what makes you think it's going to work for me? Mm. And this generation has looked at, at some of our uh, things that they have watched us do over the years. You know, we shout, we dance, we sing, we quicken, we speak in tongues, we do all those things that we do, but we're still broke, we're still depressed, we still mm. have spousal abuse, we still have suicide, high suicide rates in ministry, and they're looking to say, hey, if this thing is not working for you, what makes us think it's going to work for me? Right. So they leave, and, and we haven't figured out how to relate faith to modern culture. Wow. Catherine, I, I want to, so many things... He said, but I, one thing occurred to me at the beginning of that was your perspective in church is slightly different than ours. Mm -hmm. We've seen it more from a leadership standpoint, more specifically, a male-dominated leadership standpoint. Sure. How has your perspective about church, because he brought up a, a bunch of things. He brought up how the church is or isn't with young people. He brought up how the church is or isn't with the LGBTQ community, which we're going to get to. He brought up how, and this is a big one for me, and it really touch, touches where I'm at. He brought up how the church has failed to evolve. You've heard me say the church is a smart, is a rotary phone in a smartphone generation. Right. And, and, the, and the tragedy of it even more is they're holding on to that rotary phone with the belief it's going to work again. It's going to change. The phone is going to change. Yeah, the, that smartphone is a fad. Mm -hmm. That smartphone is trendy. If that were so, Apple wouldn't be throwing out the iPhone 13 now mm -hmm. because they know people are going to buy it. Your perspective as a woman. Well, as a woman, um, being that I've been in the church, I've been a first lady for years, and um, I've seen a lot of things. Um, things that um, that I disagreed with, um, you know, uh, personally, but would never be audacious enough to bring it to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Um, just because you, you get the idea or you've been taught that women are supposed to be supportive, submissive, um, to the male leadership of the church. Um, you don't rock the boat. Um, you may get home and have a discussion, but you don't do it in church. You don't bring it up, uh, to any of the church, um, you know, uh, com uh chain of command, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've witnessed uh, um, female elders of the church having to preach on the floor, not in the pulpit, mm. having to teach mm. on the floor, not in the pulpit, having to sing on the floor, not in the pulpit, um, as if we are um, second-class citizens um, that we're supposed to just not uh, have any type of authoritative voice. Mm. Um, wow in the church and um and that's something i've always felt was um taken out of context whenever you know you do have a conversation about it um there's always a, a biblical reference about uh you know paul saying uh, the, the women, women keep should, silent yes the yeah. women keep silent 
And, you know, if we dig a little further, that particular church that Paul was speaking to, um, the, there was um, some women getting out of pocket. Mm-hmm. He had to address that particular problem at that particular time. However... Context. Yes, context is very important. But, you know, in, in, um, as long as we've been alive, um, Scripture has been um, cherry-picked to, to uh, fulfill our, um, you know, uh, carnal <laughs> agendas. To, to support a narrative. Yes, yeah. exactly. And um, so I've never really believed in the idea of women um, being held down um, like that. So, um, but yet, you know, we attend services that the women are taking over the service for the day. How did they how do they put that our um, Women's Day. Women's Day. Yes, we're good yeah. enough to do that, but we're not to good have enough. one day a day. Yes, yeah. we're good enough to um to coordinate the whole entire service between the women of the church and the elders or whatnot, but we're not good enough to do it up in the pulpit. Mm. Please explain that to me. Oh, my goodness. The reason why all of this is so important, and and I haven't forgotten, and we haven't strayed off of the church and COVID or its ability to navigate during this new normal, it speaks to a mindset. Mm -hmm. If your mindset, and either of you correct me if I'm wrong, if the mindset is flawed in one area, as you shift and deal with yeah. new parameters and new things, it's going to be still flawed. Yeah. Your mind doesn't get better because you get a challenge. Mm-hmm. Your mind doesn't get sharper if you are faced with a new set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Here's another analogy. If you've got problems in one city and don't address those problems in that city, moving to a new city, you just take the problems to a new city. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people do. I think it's tragic in that we're even having in 2021 on the cusp of 2022, having this discussion about where the church is and its failure to evolve. Bishop White said another word that got me. He said, he he, mentioned the word ignorance. Mm -hmm. Ignorance is a choice because it comes from the root word ignore. You can't, involuntarily ignore something and something you know in that segment that he said about uh ignorance and ignore like you said i i think about the church and how it steadily ignores certain subjects yeah uh sex okay sex i grew up in a church where i went to children's church and then i graduated from children's church up to the young adults wouldn't that be a good time perfect time to prep teenagers as to what's going to come at them and how to deal with it um you know the only thing i was told was um you're gonna want to have sex but don't do it because god said so you wait till marriage. Okay, but okay, okay. I accept that. But what do you do when you like a boy and a boy likes you and... And your hormones are all over yeah, the place. Yes. Jesus, tell us, pray. Yeah, it, no, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, tell me something else. Tell me what to do. Tell me, yeah. 
tell me how to handle it. Tell me how to talk to a boy, you know, to say, I, I think we should wait or whatever the, the case may be. There is no such conversation happening. So when a girl or a young boy gets in that situation, you don't, you're ill-equipped. So you probably end up doing what you're told not to do ever. Then you deal with the guilt. Sure. Okay. I'm glad you, you brought that up because part of the problem that the church, I think, is immersed in with its failure to respond and failure to effectively navigate in this new normal, because this is just my perspective, COVID is the, the big thing that everybody sees. But a lot of the elements that are being exposed because of COVID yep. in the church existed before COVID showed up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What COVID did, it separated. Mm -hmm. It I'll put a magnifying glass. That too. It exposed, it, it, it. It exposed perfect word. It exposed mm -hmm. a lot of problems these churches have yeah. with sensitive subjects. Yeah. You talked about uh we, we, we mentioned the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. but sex is a big one. Can I, can I interject? Something? Please. Um, one of the, another one of the ways you talk about how the church hasn't fully evolved in this age that we're in. We as churches, particularly as leaders, we don't talk, we don't like to talk about human beings mm -hmm. being human. Mm -hmm. Wow. And mm -hmm. all of us, from the Pope to the janitor, all of us at the end of the day are human. Mm -hmm. And all of us human beings, whether we are saved or unsaved, all of us are uh, sexual, sensual, uh, sociological, and um, spiritual. All of us have those components within us. Mm -hmm. And as the church, we tend to only focus on the spiritual aspect of ourselves. And we negate the sexual part of us, mm -hmm. the sensual part of us, and the sociological part of us. Hmm. Because all of us are that. Mm -hmm. But we focus on read the Bible, pray instead of fast, and do all, all that stuff. All that stuff is necessary and important in its place. Mm -hmm. But after we leave the sanctuary, or after we leave Bible class, or after we get up off our knees in the morning from praying, we still got to deal with our hormones. We still got to deal with our lust, with our desires. We still have to be able to effectively communicate with people, whether that be your spouse, whether that be your kids, whether that be your boss, whether that be your family, whoever. We still have to learn how to deal with these uh, issues. And we're, we're never taught about sex. We're, we're never taught about that. And... We, we need to be taught that, you know what? Your flesh is going to rise up. I don't care if you're beautiful or you're ugly. Your flesh is still going to rise up. And you're still yeah, going to have some fact. stuff. That's yeah. a fact. You yeah. know, and, but we don't, we don't teach on how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. um, no, we don't. So that, that, that's something I think is really, really missing in the church. Or, you know, if, if, a, if a teenage boy is caught masturbating, it's... it's um, it's taboo. It's a or or even more so a a girl. Mm. Even more so, boys are. I think that's more accepted. 
But because, girls, yeah, you, well. you're not supposed to be sexual like that. But then again, that speaks to the imbalance of how the church has identified men and women. Right. Ignore it. Ignore it. But that doesn't, yeah, and that's choice. Yeah. yeah. But even okay, so tell me this: isn't wouldn't masturbation be a better um, solution than having sex? And going out there. Yes. Yeah. Like agree. relieve yourself of that pressure. I totally agree. But we're told not to do that. That's a sin too. Well, the church, the, the foundation yes. of the church, from the time that I've been in church. And what, without dating myself, we're talking about from the 60s to now, has always been, the foundation of it rather, has always been about what we can't do. Exactly. And, and, and we put this superficial layer on it, don't go to movies, uh, women don't wear open-toed shoes, men always wear black suits. That, it, that's the superficial, but yeah. there's a deeper layer to it. And that was about... That was about control. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was about control. And most of the ministers had less problems. They always mm-hmm. said, right. wearing them open-toed shoes because you got a foot fetish. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And instead that. of addressing why these issues were, because in my opinion, you can't effectively address how to handle a thing until you address why it's there. Mm-hmm. You can't. We always focus on the what. Mm-hmm. I share this analogy you know, we grew up in a time, and you probably have some familiarity with this too, where ministers of music were promiscuous. Yeah. Uh, having been one, I can testify to that. Uh, stop. I can testify to that uh, fraternity, and in some cases, sorority, this group of musicians who got all the attention, got all the women. Uh, some of them got all the men. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But when they stepped out of pocket and were caught, whether she got pregnant or whatever happened, he got silenced. Mm-hmm. No one addressed the why. Right. They would sit the musician off in a corner, and you got to sit here for 30, 60, 90 days. Or stand up and apologize. Or stand up and apologize in front of everybody. And you know what? We are now in a day where musicians will be like, uh-huh. I'll just go somewhere else. First Baptist want me. I'm going over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do they do? They take that issue with them to a new place. Instead of someone sitting down and saying, you know what? What's going on? Why do you feel this is necessary? Right. Why do you feel this behavior is or should be acceptable? Yeah. And no one's addressing that. Yeah. And I think that has carried over into our response or lack thereof with communities of color, and I speak specifically how black churches don't really address whites in their church, and vice versa. Some of them are mixing color, but they're mixing it for the wrong reason. And then you have the whole LGBTQ. That, to me, is an even bigger issue. Bishop White and I were talking, and and I want to get some of your thoughts, Catherine, yours as well, about how, first of all, let me ask this question to you both. Do either of you think the church has navigated a proper response that would enable the church or ministry to embrace LGBTQ communities? Nope. No. 
Why not? Fear. Who? Yeah, that's that's a, a driving force. What are they afraid of? <laughs> they they the the biggest fear is confronting um, sexuality. It's not just homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's sexuality. Period. Mm-hmm. And they are wow. fearful because it will expose many of their own habits and hobbies and and things that they either lust or crave or, or whatever. It expo it opens that up. Wow. And it forces them to look in the mirror and say, you know what? And 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 I know my brother Tony knows this as well. It's it's a well known fact, especially among a lot of male preachers, and I'm sure women preachers as well, because I've had dialogue with them. <clears throat> but after particularly in Pentecostal circles, after a highly anointed service, and you're flowing in the anointing, you're laying hands on folks, you're praying for folks, you're casting out, you're doing all that stuff. When service is over and you leave and you go home, you go back to your hotel, you are horny. And nobody, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to address that. But I'm grateful that that our late spiritual father would would you know he would set us down as men mm-hmm. and say hey look I this is gonna happen and when it happens this is what you do I'm not gonna say everything he said over the air but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, but but he taught us that but the thing with most churches is they fear talking about homosexuality because a it exposes um, sexuality period mm-hmm. in their own stuff mm-hmm. and then B some of them it exposes some stuff that they've been wrestling with or struggling with all their lives Ooh. about homosexuality Ooh. Ooh. that nobody wants to talk about and C I would say uh, it would expose hate absolutely yeah um, absolutely I I do believe there's some strong, strong hate towards um, homosexuality, lesbians, you know, any trans. I you know, you could watch the news at any given day wow. and and see that. Um, I think there's some serious hate. Um, there's a lot of uh, scripture being passed down through through generations of. Uh, churchgoers that it's an abomination and so is eating shellfish yes amongst other things or wearing certain fabrics so um so we've been taught this abomination word and it sounds really really awful Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you know if god views this as an abomination it must be bad we must hate it we must you know uh, banish it at every turn um, well, where is the love in that? Where's the love? Um, last time I looked, we were in the uh, dispensation of grace. And, um, you know, we tend to forget what Jesus taught, and that was to love. He only has grace for me. He ain't got yeah, grace yeah, for you. Right. Um, but, and you know what? That, that, to me, is more of the issue. We want to segregate the dynamic of grace. Right. We feel, and I'm saying to church globally, we feel that grace is proprietary to certain people. Right. Yeah. That if you live right, 
grace is yours. What was the song what we heard? Grace for if you live it right. What, 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 it, that, that part. <laughs> but what did we hear growing up? If you live right, heaven belongs, belongs to you. you. Yeah. We heard that growing up. It's entitlement. And it, it's, a, it's a sense of entitlement. Yeah. And that if you are not living it like the Bible says, then you're not going to uh, enjoy fully what grace is supposed to mean. And that mentality has given people a license to judge others. Exactly. And that is another issue with this LGBTQ issue or community is that this air of judgment mm-hmm. has come into play where we just believe fully that all of these people are going to hell. Yeah. They're, they're going to hell, and, and there's no other way about it. They, they don't know God. They don't want to know God, and this is where they're going to end up, and I don't want to be like them. Yeah. I distinctly remember years ago um, splitting up with uh, Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian took half of the church. I took the other half, and we did Bible studies. I, hmm. I led a Bible study with the half the church he did his. And one of my questions, and it was on the love of Christ and how are we showing the love of Christ? Mm-hmm. And one of my questions was, if we had, you know, during a regular Sunday service, if we had a known homosexual or an effeminate man come through the door, what would be your response? Wow. And, it, and immediately it was that traditional, that's an abomination. We should get him out of the church immediately. He should be escorted and it's a cancer, blah, 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 blah. And I was just so disappointed, so disappointed in their various answers of get him out of the church. Wow. Okay. And they, and they don't belong in the church. Then where, where do they belong? Exactly. And I, I said... Okay, well, let's let's discuss this. If if Jesus was sitting in a pew and that same man came in, what how do you think he would greet him or address him? And they all went, oh. "Well, how did and people forget they're so proprietary with scripture, they forget scripture." Yes. At the same time. Yes. My thing, I've always told them, my thing is, how do you think Zacchaeus how do you think Jesus ended up, ended up at his house? Right. Because right. he looked at all the religious folk and said, you know what? Y'all got some yeah. other stuff going on. Yeah. Go home with I, I, I'm going home. He's the reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all think y'all know it all already. So I'm going to his house. So you come on down out that tree, empty your pockets, and let's go eat. Yeah. But the, we've gotten that backwards. Yep, exactly. And the church house is the, the place where they should feel welcomed, loved, and safe, and they belong, just like the Joe from next door. Safe. Safe, yes, that's it's a beautiful word concerning this. How, so, the church has failed, can we all agree? Colossally. The church has failed in providing a safe environment for everybody. For everybody. Everybody. yeah. And that that is a perfect If you got too segue. many tattoos or one too if many tattoos. Too many, kids. too many kids by different men. Um you're judged, you're labeled several labels. But you know, it, it's terrible. And um I think the church has been dying because we are 
um, uh, full of hypocrisy mm. and um, we uh, contradict our behavior contradicts what Jesus taught yeah. and we call ourselves Christians we are not followers of Christ when we're no. acting a fool and it's funny because we will label again I'm saying we the church globally we label ourselves in such a way where we believe there is a proprietary nature to this thing called love. Mm -hmm. That we have the power to determine who gets loved, mm -hmm. who doesn't. Mm -hmm. God who, loves you when. God loves you uh, if. God loves you mm -hmm. uh, but. Not we, just simply God loves your but. Period. <laughs> <laughs> we even see conditional love from parents concerning uh -huh. their children. Yeah. Uh -huh. And to me, that's just, I, I, I can't even fathom that. Like, my kids, I'm, I'm in love with my kids. Absolute love with them. So they may make mistakes or do things that I'm totally not in agreement with, but my love will never change. Mm -hmm. My in-love status with my kids will never change. Mm -hmm. um, and they always know mom is a safe place. That they can come to. And they know that no matter what they do, your love won't change. It won't change. That's why, that's why the apostle eventually wrote, what can be able to separate me mm -hmm. from the, the love, love of, God. of God? And he listed a bunch she, of stuff. You know, she just mentioned that she loves her kids. And I think part of the, the uh, psychoticness of, of the thinking in church is um, the love is conditional. So if our love is conditional, I know God's love has got to be conditional. So then you start asking, if, if you ask yourself, what could meet, what could your children do um, to make you just throw them away yeah. forever? I can't. Nothing. But no. then if our love can be like that to those of us that genuinely love our children. How, how is God's love? That's never, ever, ever, as far back as I can remember, I've never been able to reconcile that. Mm -hmm. How we say that, you know, you know, especially back in the day when we used to pass out tracks, mm. you know, go out on the street, God loves you, God loves you, but if you don't accept him, you're going to bust hell wide open. Right. I'm yeah. like, what kind of psychotic... Who wants to be in that kind of relationship? And, and who, and, I love you, but if you don't love me back, to hell with you. Right? He, he, literally. <laughs> we literally presented God as though he was some narcissist. Yeah. Right. I want all of this attention. I want you to know it's all about me. 24-7. 24-7. But when you mess up, be sure to know that it's all about you and this is what's going to happen to you. And that you did it. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, there's literally no winning in that scenario. No winning in that scenario. Either God going to get me or the devil going to get me. Right. Yeah. Anyway, you're going to get got. And, <laughs> and the pressure that people feel in this idea of coming to church is overwhelming. It's made us psychotic. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a good term. We, we have this duality within our minds that we can't overcome and it's too overwhelming to us. So what do a lot of people end up doing? They just say, you know what? We, we find other things to do. Right. We literally do. We find other avenues. Guess what? 
that accept us yeah. mm-hmm. where we feel safe. Mm-hmm. And some people do feel safe smoking a joint. Some people do feel safe with the bottle. They feel safe in gangs. They feel safe in these things that don't judge them. And here we are, we being the church, we're as pretentious as all get out, believing we have the answer, clutching that rotary phone, by the way, saying Jesus is the answer. Call him up and tell him what you want. These fingers don't be too fat. (laughs) Right. And that, that, that doesn't work for me. Um, but you, you provide a good segue a couple of moments ago. Have we, now I'm speaking societal, has society flipped that? Have we gone too far in such a way to make LGBTQ communities feel safe and accepted that we're pushing everybody else aside? That's, that's, a, that's tricky to tread on. I'll admit that that um, one one of the things that I've been asked about, and I haven't said anything publicly till till right now. Um, there's this thing going around now. I'm sure both of you have seen some of the pictures, social media pictures that are out with a lot of men wearing dresses and you know all all this kind of stuff now. So there's a term out called toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've seen it. you know that they're saying that being manly is toxic, and and people are teaching their kids how to or or to make a decision for themselves what do you want to be or whatever, whatever. And I I think now the only reason that I I will say this, and I'll say this publicly because I think and feel that I've paid a right, that I've I've paid for the right to say this. Mm-hmm. Um, 2012 and 13, I, both of you know, I caught the left foot of fellowship for, you know, standing with um, the LGBT community, which I do not apologize for. Many, many of my dear, dear friends um, to this day are within that community. And, and I still preach in, in their churches. And, um, but, but some of these things that, that I see going on, I, I want to go on record to say that masculinity is not toxic. Mm. It is not. You know, there, there's a grace to a man being a man. Um, so some things I think that we are pushing the envelope on and it's stretching boundaries and therefore it's stretching us you know, those of us who are accepting, those of us who are um, liberal with our thinking and expanded in our consciousness and and all of those things, we're being stretched because there's there's another wave being ushered in, and we we are wrestling with our religious presuppositions and we're wrestling with fifteen hundred years of entrenched doctrination mm-hmm. and. Um, you know we're 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 struggling. Uh, my my own personal feeling and opinion is, I I don't care who you love. That that's none of my business. That's between the person that's loving and God. Um, that that's not an issue at all to me. But I think when when society starts in, uh, 
forcing impressions on little children and and all of these trends that are going on today that's when I think you know we're pushing the envelope just a little too far that, that's my take mm -hmm. I something you said and I was writing it down here I said we have to we have to not just maintain boundaries but we have to develop boundaries in the face of what I call psychotic indoctrination <laughs> the, the the idea of a mindset and this is where we started I know we started with the church and COVID but it's really a mindset because you take listen if we ever get to a place where we're fully vaccinated and we've got COVID under control I don't think it's ever going to go away we have COVID under control no matter what strains are coming through everybody's healthy still in the face of a new normal the church is going to have the same problem that it had in 2016, five because years we, ago. We don't have different answers. We, we don't have, well, and you know why we don't have different answers? Because the church by and large has refused to acknowledge that there is a problem. Right. You can't fix what you don't acknowledge. You can't fix what you, uh, it, listen, they'll tell you the church is okay. Yeah. People will tell you, you open saying that the church as we've known it is dying. Mm -hmm. You started so us I've, off with that. But a lot of people aren't willing to acknowledge that the body is in ICU on a ventilator. Just, just the very fact of the last four years that we went through exposed huge toxicity mm -hmm. within the evangelical uh, arena. And um, the church is much more divisive and divided as it's ever been. As it's ever been. Uh, and people are still, and, and Catherine and I have seen it specifically uh, because we're not doing in-person service now. Uh, we're doing our life study on Wednesdays, but we're not doing in-person service on Sunday. So we've been visiting. And in some of the places that we've visited, in some of the places that we've gone in varying cities, there has been a disconnect to how to engage in ministry that's effective for the time that we're in. A lot of people are still apprehensive about coming. Some churches aren't up to full occupancy yet in terms of the membership returning back for in-person service. And I've had two different pastors in this area tell me that they don't know if they'll ever get back to where they were. I don't think. I don't think. And I wasn't surprised to hear that. But Having said all that, I think there are still people who are hungry mm -hmm. for a new presentation of ministry. And that's, I was just going to say the exact same thing, that we've visited different various churches um, and just, just in general um, disappointed or discouraged in some ways. We, when we walked away from it, it, it was... Um, there is new, no new revelation being brought um, in the preaching and the teaching, and it's dry, it's stale, it's mm -hmm. used up, mm -hmm. and people are not growing uh, by that anymore. No. They're giving us church stories, church uh, or uh, Bible stories. Um, you know, it's the milk of the word, not the meat. We need the meat. People are starving for that meat. 
we're, you know, they're still trying to put a bottle in our mouths. And I think they're losing um, people by not getting a fresh word. Bishop has heard me say this probably more times than he can count when we were pastoring. Hired day in Columbus. I started a series years ago on Hebrews 6. I'm going there right now. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Therefore, and, and really when, when I even talk about that in churches, it makes people cringe and uncomfortable. When it said leaving the elementary truths about the doctrine of Christ. First of all, that's frightening in and <laughs> yeah. of itself. Mm -hmm. Leaving the elementary principles of doctors of Jesus—that's all we know—is Jesus. That's all we know. He said the according to the apostles, he said you got to leave this. Don't abandon it. Just move on from it. Let us therefore go on to perfection and maturity, not laying again um, uh, the foundation of, of faith in God. And 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 what what I'm about to say is about to be stunning. Because I said this at a church not too long ago, and I thought they was going to throw me out. Um, not laying again the foundation of faith in God, doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now I said, according to the apostle, those first few things, you know, you can kind of, eh, you can kind of let that slide a little bit. But when it talked about eternal judgment, According to the apostle, all of those things are elementary. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. And we still arguing over hell. Right. And that the apostle part. said, that's elementary. Y'all still there. Y'all got to move on from this. And um, we, we are afraid to move on to something else. And I've always said this, mm -hmm. that there's no way in the world that anybody could ever convince me that the totality of this universal uh reality that we call God can ever be defined or confined to 66 books. Mm -hmm. There's no Whoa. way anybody would ever convince me that. Yeah, so there's so much more mm -hmm. that we need to explore and excavate and discover and preach. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because people are tired of milk. The, yeah, they are. They are. They are. And, and it's funny because I, I went there as you were going into that I love the Message Bible's version. It says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises right. in Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Mm -hmm. Grow up in Christ. We are so content on being in this fundamentally, foundationally, rudimentary place. Pediatric. It, it's pediatric. We don't, we don't challenge ourselves, so how can we challenge somebody else? No. We don't. We don't see the nature or the need to evolve. Right. Because again, evolution, and you said it perfectly at the beginning, we've taken evolution to mean something bad, something terrible, because it came from Darwin's theory of evolution. But even he changed his mindset toward the end of his life. Exactly. I but, think, I'm sorry. To oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think one of the best times between God and I was... At a, at a time where I left the church after my late husband had passed. That was when, um, you know, I was mad at him and I yelled at him and mm -hmm. cried and screamed and everything else. And I, uh, you know, him and I had, had, had issues. <laughs> I had issues with him. 
But I, it got to a point where I settled down and I listened. And, um, you know, the relationship was uh, between me and the Lord was being was evolving. Yes. There was and, and many there lessons to learn there in that dark time for me. And I came out um, better for it. You know, I could talk to people now about um, death, grief. Um, and that's another thing that's not spoken about in the church as well. We are ill-equipped. And I don't want to go backwards in the... But no, we're no, so no. ill-equipped on so many things. We are. And, th and that was something that I found myself dealing with is like, I'm so ill-equipped to deal with this. And um, I, that struck me like and so from, hard. And from a church standpoint, if you're ill-equipped to deal with it, how can you help someone else right? deal with it? Yeah. Because that's like what we it's supposed to be We have not been taught mm -mm. about death. Um, Other than we're... Other than heaven, where yes, they're going. Yes, um, but how about the people you leave behind? What are they supposed to do? Um, what does God say about that? Mm -hmm. We don't tackle these um, hard topics. We don't. Um, and it is going to be a part of every human experience. Mm -hmm. Every is. human will experience mm -hmm. death and grief yes. many times. Yes. Yes, young and old. Yeah. And some people don't get over it. They don't. They're stuck. So, and no, no, that's all. They, they, they develop inappropriate coping mechanisms. Yes. No. That's how addictions start. And, and I, I heard um, Bishop say this years ago, sin is a legit, uh, illegitimate response to a legitimate need. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's yes. perfect. Yes. Yeah. And it's exactly and, what it is. You know, we because we don't know how to deal with it. Somebody like me, for example, who lost my brother and my sister within two months apart, mm -hmm. tragically, horrifically. They were both murdered. And then my my mother in two thousand seven and my spiritual father, Mr. Cornelius, mm -hmm. two thousand three. Now my father. Mm -hmm. I've experienced a lot of death mm -hmm. and grief mm -hmm. and dark days and yeah. pain and yeah. sadness yeah. and overwhelming sense of what the is going on yeah. you know yeah. and and um, um but through all of that through all of the pain the dark days i'm grateful that i never um leaned and depended on these illegitimate coping mechanisms to get me through Somehow, it was by the grace of however, I realized that so many other people turned to liquor, mm -hmm. turned to the, turned to smoking, turned mm -hmm. to um, sex, turned to all types of things to help them deal. Mm -hmm. And then we judge them because we know what they did. Yes. But we never figure out oh, yeah. why, why did you do that? No, they rather talk about you. They rather talk about you and judge you. Yeah, like I, everything you mentioned, I've. I've done it or contemplated it just to feel good for a moment right i don't want to feel the pain just for five minutes right. please right the church has taught relief and not recovery yes you, you know i've taught that a lot yes. in our life yes. study relief is i just don't want to feel this in this moment exactly it's overwhelming yeah That's it's overwhelming praise breaks 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when that praise break is over and you on your way home. Yeah. And the praise break in the church mm -hmm. sense is nothing but, okay, you got a toothache. We're not going to get the tooth pulled. We're not going to go to the dentist. We're going to give you this pain medicine so you forget you're in pain mm -hmm. and forget that you have a problem. That's what that praise break is. Mm -hmm. But when you stop dancing mm -hmm. and the organist has gone home and everything is quiet, that pain is still there. People are going home depressed. And it comes home with even greater, yeah. and it comes it back with even greater yeah. intensity. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right, people go home. We we say it all the time. Let's leave different when we uh, when when this service is over, this convention is over, this conference is over. Let's leave differently. But, but the reality really? is, people are going home. You know what? It just hit me. They're not going home the same. In a lot of cases, they're going home more Worse messed up, yeah. Yeah. more jacked up, no because they get home and realize. All the stuff that I was dealing with or trying to avoid, it's now come back on steroids. And some people use church as a distraction from it. As Believe an addiction. It, yes. It's a drug. It's a drug. Yes. Or there's funeral hoppers. Right. Right. And that, it, it, make that make sense. Right. <laughs> that comes up in every podcast. Make that make sense. <laughs> and it's, it's unfortunate that we're even having to have this conversation mm -hmm. because I believe we are not the only three people that think this way. Right. We can't be the only three people that see it the way it is. But in the last little bit of time that we have left, Bishop, tell me, how do you think the problem gets fixed? It starts from and with uh, the leadership. As we've heard for so many years, the anointing flows from the head down. Mm -hmm. And in the head is the vision, the hearing, the sense, uh, the taste, the touch, all of that um, comes from the head. And until there is a transformation in consciousness, until we become, as one of my favorite scriptures is First Chronicles 12.32, until we become sons of Issachar, who have understanding of the present times to know what Israel or AKA the church should do mm -hmm. until we can fully understand the days and times in which we're in and then navigate to what the church should do next. We will constantly remain in the 1976 Buick uh, with fur seats and <laughs> Dice fuzzy dice, fuzzy <laughs> dice, and still playing eight-track cassettes wow. or eight-track wow. tapes. We, we will still remain antiquated, out of date, out of touch, and not relevant to modern culture. Right. Catherine, um, I agree with everything he said. It's got to start from the top down, but you know, the top got to have the Holy Spirit. Um, they've got to have anointing. They've got to have the love of Christ because if you don't, you we're going to be in the predicament that they're, that we're in, and they're following their own um, agendas, um, whether it be entitled or whether it be controlling people for their own benefit and what or a money driven motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got to um, get the Holy Spirit in the mix here. Um, I think it's because he's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And and that's where getting back to something you said at the very beginning, Bishop, 
that's where the authenticity lies. Mm-hmm. People, I've said this um, more times than I can count in more places than I can remember. People that are not coming to church are not coming because they don't want to. A lot of them are not coming because there's no on- authenticity right. within the places that they're going. You have people that are seeking authenticity. Mm-hmm. They're seeking what's real. Mm-hmm. And and listen, you can find you can find a drug addict and a drunk that knows just as much scripture oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. as the deacon and the elder and the bishop do. Absolutely. They know the word mm-hmm. and will fact check you when you get it wrong. They will. But they won't come to church because there's no authenticity. There's nothing real. There's nothing that embraces them. Yeah. There's no love. There's no love. Bishop, I've no heard me say this for a long time. In the absence of the authentic, the counterfeit looks real. And we bought it. And yeah. we bought it. Oh, yeah. And we're telling people, no, this is a real hard dollar bill. Yeah. But that's got smoky on it from Friday. <laughs> That ain't that ain't real. No, it's real. It's real. Yeah, the paper don't feel right. Yeah, the paper don't feel right. We just yeah. saw that the other day. Paper don't feel right. Look at it. Feel it. It ain't even the right color. Mm-hmm. But we are. We have. Con- we have told the lie for so long. Mm-hmm. We've convinced ourselves that it's true, mm-hmm. and as a result, people are not getting what they need. Man, I want to thank uh, Bishop Stephen L. White for being on. I want to thank my awesome and incredible and outstanding wife. Catherine, for being on. This has been BYOB, the Bring Your Own Brain podcast with Tony Calloway. As we do at the end of every show every week, we do a Netflix pick of the week. My pick this week, uh, from a historical perspective, I wholeheartedly recommend Blood Brothers, Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, which is from the book Blood Brothers, The Fatal Friendship Between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X by Purdue Professor Randy Roberts and Georgia Tech's Johnny Smith. This book and this documentary detail the strength of the strengths of one of the most charismatic athletes of our time, along with quite possibly the most polarizing civil rights leader of our time. This documentary further details how their relationship was formed, how it was strengthened, and then how it was fractured and destroyed by forces who couldn't truly understand either man. I wholeheartedly recommend that you watch it. You will love it. Again, this has been the BYOB. Bring Your Own Brain podcast with Tony Callaway. We're on five days a week, wherever you find your podcast. And you can reach us via our Facebook page. So leave a comment, a review, a critique, a shout out. And if by chance there are topics you want discussed or referenced on a particular show, drop us an email to WKIR100 at gmail.com. That's WKIR100 for We Keep It Real and 100 at gmail.com. Thanks for being with us. Please spread the word about this particular one. This has been BYOB Unscripted with, again, Bishop Stephen L. White and my wonderful wife, Catherine Calloway. We'll see you next time.